Amin Musa is a singer, songwriter, poet, music director, performer, and so much more. She studied at the world famous Berklee College of Music and has had a great impact in the Bangladeshi and overall in the South Asian music scene. She has her own solo set called the Kashmirin Core and has also been a significant name in the Coke Studio Bangla project. If that's not enough, Armin is also part of the Berkeley Indian Ensemble, which was recently nominated for a Grammy. Now, I've been a fan of Armin's work from her early days, so it was a great privilege for me to have this conversation, talk about her journey, we discuss what it takes to be a musician in this modern era, and we dive deep into her philosophies about music, art, and all things creativity. Just note that this podcast was recorded in mid-2022, and the artwork and the animation was done by the talented Ahmed Fahim. Without further ado, here is season three of State of the Creators featuring Armin Musa. Hope you enjoy the show. This is State of the Creators, a show about creative individuals who are on a quest to build something out of nothing. But look, I mean, for those who are unaware, who is Armin Musa? I'll let you say it in your own words. The, the existential question to start with. That is a really tough question to ask me, who is Armin Musa? I think at the core of it, I consider myself someone who creates and someone who is a student of creation. So I think that's how I would identify myself. I think I'm a student of um, the creative arts that I am working on and the universe and just constantly learning stuff. So that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> And in some ways, you're underselling yourself because you've been at Berkeley College of Music of all places. You've just—I was a student there on, too. So that just been on Coke Studio. You're an independent artist. You've done crazy things. But you know, we'll get into the the resume in a second. But look, I'm, I'm going to track back a little bit. You you come from a very illustrious family of you know scholars and and artists and legendary musicians. For the rest of us, we had to kind of struggle in terms of say. Uh, being in a family who may not appreciate creative mm -hmm. outlets mm -hmm. as much, um, how is it different for someone who gets into a family uh, and everybody else is creative? Like, I, I imagine the pressure would be different, isn't it? Because it is. for you, you might have to live up to the name instead of, oh, I've got this free-flowing canvas that I can just draw on. You know, I recently... Um had this written as a headline in a newspaper article. But I get asked this question a lot. And the truth is that on the other side of it, I think there is obviously people under, you know, it's when you do something that your whole family hasn't done. Um, it's because it, there's friction because they don't understand you, right? So there have been moments of that as well in my life. But most of it, Creatively, we all understand each other. You know, our whole family, we all understand each other really well. Like, But also, I had my own uh, barriers to being a creative person because um, what went as a headline was that my family was the biggest barrier of me being a creative person. That was the wow. headline. And some of it is very true. That was a dramatic version of what I was saying. But the thing is, my family has been in the music industry um, since the nine since 1900, 1920. I think my wow. great grandfather was in the nineteen twenties. He um, started singing with HMV, and Dude. it's you know 
he made it from uh, he went from being a fam my my family is basically very scholars and lawyers and things like that so he became my great grandfather broke out of that sort of jomidar uh, slash academic life in Kuchbihar with our families from Kuchbihar and he went to Kolkata and he said um, he was also one of the first Muslim singers and that itself was like a really risky he had mm. kids he had to leave his kids behind in the village and go to Kolkata and and the it was it was something that he did uh, fought with his family you know he left his family and um, and that made my grandparents lives also very hard because being the being the musician is one thing but being the children of a striving musician is um, also very difficult so my grandparents um, who then migrated to what which is now Bangladesh um, they really really focused on going back to the culture of being in academics and law and um, so my my grandfather, my aunt, my sister, myself included, have studied law. We've been like, you know, these things, uh, this part of life is important. Having an education is important. A job is mm -hmm. important. And alongside having your art and culture as part of your extracurriculars. So when I said, when I just started doing music, everyone was happy because, you know, Bashai Shop Shumai, we already had music. But when I said I only want to do music, right? That's when everyone came in and wow. was like, "Don't you remember how much we struggled because of that?" You know, there's, there because my my great grandfather had, you know, he sold his songs for one taka, two taka at that time. Never got. He is one of the most famous Muslim Bangladeshi Bangla musicians. Yeah. Um, never earned a penny of royalty, not a penny. You know, um, so. There's a lot of unfairness in the music industry, which still exists to this day. Mm. I'm sure you know about the whole streaming uh, mm. issue and how it doesn't pay the artists. So there was always a thing like it was like we know better than to be full time artists. We because we have the experience, we know that there has to be some. So when I wanted to do it, everyone was like, no, keep your safety, keep your job, keep your, you know. So I, I have an undergrad degree in another um, subject. And uh, then afterwards, I was going to be just doing music on the weekends. And yeah. I was just so unhappy. I was like, I think I was um, 22. And I was think uh, getting an internship into this place or going to do my master's. And and I was like, no, I, I can't do this. So I started um, gigging. I came back to Dhaka and I started gigging and I uh, saved some money and um, I did a course in Shanti Niketan. And mm. so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way my life led yeah. me. But I think in some ways my family's like, they really get me. But in another way, they were really cautious about allowing me to be a full-time musician. And wow. of course, now they're like incredibly supportive. Yeah. But yeah. I think that caution and after many years of I've been in the industry in Dhaka for seven years. Yeah. And within the first year, I was like, now I know why they told me not to do this, you know. Because it's it funny, is because, really you know, hard. Uh, as, as I asked the question, I thought, 
oh, the answer is going to be, oh, they're going to be super supportive because, you know, they they come from creative backgrounds themselves. They've got that illustrious uh, line of, of lineage of, of people around the family. And, and I think when you say that, that, oh, no, they want you to have uh, a safety net, it, it's pretty much like everyone else. Everyone. Like every parent, <laughs> yeah, like, like the whole... Uh, at least in the South Asian uh, uh, mentality that we have, is like, oh, you can do whatever you want, but make sure you've got, got that. And it's yeah, the same with sport. It's the same with, you know, arts and culture and, and anything of, of that mm-hmm. sort. So mm-hmm. I actually find it quite quite interesting that it was the same for, for, for you as well. But even then, I think your first debut album was in 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that's around the same time you were studying as well. Uh, yeah. or you were, you were, I was in, I was didn't doing my undergrad when I recorded my first yeah. album. Yeah. So, so, so how was that like in terms of that, that, that dual, you know, like the dual lifestyle of, of having to focus on your undergrad and then, you know what, I'm all, I, I've got this pool of talent that I want to explore mm-hmm. and create an album by myself. Um, how did that all, all line up for you at the time in terms of just being, having two sides of your, of your personality, go through at the same time it it was it was really tough and i think it was the indication because i i was studying um i studied law for a bit and then i switched to economics mm-hmm. um and i switched to economics because law at law you have to for law you have to study a lot of uh, memorize a lot of text and mm-hmm. for economics it, it, there was not so much memorizing so i actually changed so that i would have more time to go to rehearsal and do my gigs and so it was everything, every decision that I made since I was 14 or 15 has been about uh, figuring out a way to come back to music. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's just something that made me so happy. And by the time when I was in university, I would just barely get, I just barely, right. I barely passed. I barely got my homework and my, cl- and my chest. You didn't enjoy done. that side at all. I, you know, what I really did enjoy um, and what I really did learn is getting to know different people from, because I went from Dhaka, I was studying in the UK, and yeah. I got to know a lot of different people from all over the world. And yeah. in the university, we had, um, you know, clubs and stuff, and they would have little gigs, and I would perform yeah. there, and it was fun. I was always like, everyone was like really happy to have me the, the Indian community, the Bangladeshi community, the overall university community. So I did enjoy a little bit of student life, I have to admit. I did enjoy right. a, a certain set of um, skills that I learned, like deadlines, and that really helped me the, in my, that, in my that career. Professional yeah, so being yeah. very punctual for class, being professional, yeah. um, even though I didn't love my undergrad degree, I made sure I got it done, you know, and I, at the same time, you know, getting to know um, it's, and, you know, I went to University of Nottingham, which was so diverse. So I had yeah. got to know people from all over the world. And, you know, after I turned 14, 15, my group has always been musicians. So right. getting to know people who are not musicians are is also very interesting for me. Right. And right. I've actually always had close friends who are not musicians. So right. that I won't say that I didn't love it. I, I loved going, being in university. Um, but of course, my goal was to 
get become, the classes done, get and then run plan. the hell, get on the train, two hours to London, weekend in London, doing gigs. I was part wow. of Lokit, Kishon Khan's Lokitera um, uh, for about two years. And wow. um, then in my in my city, Nottingham, I for, one of my university friends and I formed a duo. We would perform in like small community events. And yeah. so, and every summer, the three month summer vacation, I'd come and work on my album in Taka. So right. I over it's the long, over yeah. my undergrad years, I as basically that was also part of my undergrad that every year I would do three like four songs this summer, and then four songs next summer, and then released it the third summer. So wow. it was part of my undergrad life. I was it was beautiful. It was lovely. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like super hectic, but at the same time, I can almost see or hear the the passion at the time you you had for music and still have, I'm sure. In terms of not so much anymore. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second, I guess. <laughs> but in terms of at least you know that that you know little arm in in the world of possibilities, just looking at like I'm getting this done, and I'm also focusing on my music. But you know, your your the first song that I remember hearing of you was actually you know the the famous one with with Fordby, which is the the Bromor Bromor Coil. Yeah. Um, when was that released? Was it before your undergrad? Because you would have been uh, really young. I actually we, we recorded that when I was 17 I think um right. uh so or so late 2000 I remember my 18th birthday or right before my 18th birthday so um uh, this that was re- we that was released in 2005 and uh we just recorded a f- the year before in 2004 I think and um yeah so I was abroad I was in I was in the yeah. UK when it got released and I had no idea that it um it blew up because I think it everybody blew up because yeah. I, the only way, the only reason I knew it blew up is because one of my Indian f- flatmates, you know, we had these like piracy websites, Cool Toad, yeah. Cool Goose. I don't Amadegan know if you ever. And Amadegan was Bangladesh based. I'm like, oh, there right, was right. these like open, open websites. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And download mp3.com or something. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So apparently it was like, on the first hundred songs in this international page and mm. like my my foreign friends had downloaded like your songs on this page i'm like oh okay that means it's doing well i guess we didn't have i think youtube had was started like a couple of years after that so we didn't okay. have any counts or views or no. we couldn't we didn't know no. you know yeah, so yeah. That was really cool, and and you know, for so, so a how teenager, did you, as as you know, a, a budding creative at the time, like was it a clear indicator for you to you know what, if I can reach that high, like like that's the benchmark that I can set for myself going forward? Because you're still, as I mentioned, you know, you're a teenager in in in, in all in in pretty much every way. So, what what does that do to you as as a creative teenage girl trying to make it? You know, I think um, I would have to go back a couple of years to when I was about 14 or 15. I think Orno moves to Dhaka and releases Sheje Boshe Achi China Bhavish. And um, I actually, uh, before, even though the even though promo came out before, um, before that song, I had given one of my written songs um, and composed songs to Arnov, which got released a couple of years after that in Chalmuri 1. Um, and I remember this 
there was this there at that point we had this you know being a singer and being featured by other producers and artists and you know really working on on singing and doing this 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 and then there was also like me creating stuff like working right. on little lyrics and and i remember that if um when bromokoge came out i was very happy you know of course i was very happy but every time someone said um you know that's amazing you sound so good and um i really and i really felt like i wish i had created it you know this is not, it's radha ramana creation um if what did the music i i felt like my role as a singer of course my role as a singer is important right. um but you know that song is very heavily produced it's not just it's not my raw voice there's a lot of yeah. effects on it and that was the that was the style of the music oh, yeah, but i felt like i wanted to be more than just one the part from of the here, yeah and and um, it wasn't a bit about wanting i felt like i was more than that and so when bromoker got released i got a lot, a lot of other offers like why don't you sing for this producer why don't you sing for that producer let's do this. and i was like no if i'm going mm. to release something an album it's going to be my work it's going right. to be the songs that i wrote it's going to be produced by myself and um because at that point i'm 19 years old i have nothing to lose i'm like yeah. i'm just going to do whatever i want and that was a very defining um moment as a creative person that in bangladesh um women are not usually uh at working at the top level of the music production Absolutely. um hierarchy right so this you know so we work as session musicians as singers we work as you know uh, dancers today. and 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 i think i for me as a person as a musician i was genuinely more interested in the composing and the music over the singing which is why i will say i will admit that as a singer i might not have all the chops as other people because i've spent mm. my time behind the other aspects of music as well and it was right, very no, different yeah no for sure i think i think um just as you mentioned as well like i think it's a it's a if you want to call it a problem or an issue like it is you still don't see a lot of female composers in the country um at at the same level as you even when you were doing or making your own album at the time right and i think um that's something i guess we we all have to look at and see how we can change but beyond that i think for you personally um what then made you decide that you know what i'm going to finish up my degree and then get into Berkeley College of Music of all places like probably it is the best music school in the world and also the hardest to get into so so what was that journey like like first of all why decide to go to Berkeley when you could have picked other options especially in South Asia there's so many you know renowned musical schools and things of that sort and number two how hard was was getting in in for you um so of course my uh you know when i when i finally decided to leave other things and just do music my family advised that go to india and do this and that like if it it, it was a point like if you're going to do it then do it you know the way that we know jay yeah. talim now and all that um but as i said my curiosity and my excitement was towards the music that was created and i think the reason why i was excited to study more than singing or voice 
was because of my love for chords. So chords are, for those who are unfamiliar, chords are basically um, the accompaniment behind the melody of a song that kind of like use the notes around it to highlight Mm. the melody. And using chords and understand. And as a vocalist, I didn't have a lot of ideas, of course. I just knew like a bunch of notes together. They sound so beautiful. And I want to study that. I want to know what why does it make me feel so excited yeah, when I yeah. hear them being played? And as a South Asian person with fusion interests, Berkeley College of Music was the only school at the time, other than one or two others, um, that offered those uh, courses where there was a scope to study world music as well as right. jazz. And so the music world is Western classical or jazz theory, this was a jazz school, but it also had all those like Latin jazz and this and that and that. And while I was there, the Indian class was um, formed the year yeah. that I joined. So there was, and I've heard of uh, Berkeley sort of through uh, the fact that John Mayer went there, who I loved. Oh. And number two, you, you just, can you see, can you see the thing on the back? Uh, not really. What is it? That's the the Continuum album. Um, oh yeah, I love that album. Huge, huge fan, so, huge fan. So I also know too, Berkeley College of Music through through him, and I think he did this whole workshop as well, which I devoured, like ten classes. I was there. Oh, I was wow. there. Lucky I, if you, you if you go to Lucky my Facebook, you. you'll see. Um, I I used to I used to photography. Then I have this beautiful series of photos that I took of him. Oh, <laughs> Okay, I'm just yeah. trying to remember. I'll show right you. <laughs> yes, yes, I want to see it too, before I go to bed. But <laughs> the other um, musician that was very inspirational for me, I have to mention, is Mekal Hassan. Mekal Hassan is a Pakistani um, composer uh, who went to Berkeley, and then after he like he left, he composed this dream, dream um, album, and and which led to three more albums of um, Indian classical and jazz fusion. It's just, and I, when I first heard Mekal Hassan, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. You know, like exactly this. And of course mm. I could never exactly do that. But um, it, it, that fusion, that jazz and Indian classical fusion, and, and he uses these very beautiful Pakistani, um, older Sufi songs yeah. as well as um, classical pieces. Just beautiful, and I thought if this is where something like this is created, you know, right. this is wh- if this is where someone, I felt like Mekal Hassan was a representation of the kind of musician that I want to be. That using my roots, but also learning uh, music, Western music, mm. to complement each other. And so I, I was sitting in Chantinikatan, and um, I studied there for nine months. I did not particularly enjoy um, the class because it was very just singing based and um, I didn't have a lot of I was the only person admitted that year in my course so I didn't have any friends Um, so I was just sitting there and I applied and I'm like let's just see how it happens and it then it did wow this is I mean I never thought I would get in it was very competitive and plus I think (laughs) your work is also there for the world to see like on YouTube like some of the stuff you've done 
there while you were there uh, some uh, i think it was the ensemble that you were part part of and also a few of the other things you've, you've made uh at, at berkeley college of music was was brilliant like just to see how they're they're marrying these different different worlds and for the world to see so i think that that was very awesome for the rest of the world but for you personally though how hard was it to study something because you, you know the idea of of the mechanical or technical side of, of creativity um, can be quite quite interesting to to learn. So I I draw the parallels for me personally in that side of architecture. So I studied architecture when I was in a bachelor's. So there's this creative angle, but then there's all these you know technical angle that you start losing interest on because it just feels less creative and, and it's very very technical um but i think that becomes the foundation for the creativity which i thought you know figured out later so for you in terms of studying something that you are passionate about all, all all your life and then using it to apply in real life uh, how was it different like in terms of studying versus real life application of something like music wow that's a really good question um yeah, the truth is that when, you know, I'm currently teaching uh, introductory module at ULAB of music. And the first month, I I hit them with the theory. This is ABCDFG. Mm. This is the flats. These are the sharps. And my students like, what? Why is there so much math in this? You know, I'm like... That's the thing. Like that's the interesting part. If you are, um, if you go into deep into music, and if you're especially if you're a composer, mm-hmm. um, it there is a lot of things that there's just a lot of technical things you have to learn. If you don't learn it, you're not gonna you're just gonna stay in the first five six chords. And a lot of musicians do, and they've done that successfully, mm-hmm. and and that's great. Um, if it's just your own music and you're doing a style, but if you want to be a composer and you're composing for film and and ads right. and etc., and you want to have diverse, you have a di- like a diverse portfolio, then you really got to learn some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course, it's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. I got my first life's D when I went to Berkeley. I, you know, I. I was like, whoa, I actually, I've, I've been a good student my whole life. I did so badly. Um, I did the, I, and I did badly despite trying, it wasn't like my economics degree where I was like, you know, just Ex- do an exam and then go off. About, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're passionate about something, it should come in naturally, and then you get smacked with a with a D or a C. And then how does what does that do to your confidence? Because do you then question yourself? Like you know, it's like, this is so what I, I I have to admit, uh, my uh, my first three years or my first two and a half years at Berkeley, I really felt like, oh my god, what am I doing mm. here? I am. Everyone is so much better than me and I was in this crazy um, sort of self uh, doubt phase that you know mm. am I am I really gonna be able to do this and I had to hunker down a bit first yeah. couple of semesters um, because a lot of these um, the American students and, and others they have studied the theory in high school That's so right. it's a part of their curriculum so I had to do everything from scratch plus I was an older student mm-hmm. I'd already finished my first undergrad and so it I have to admit the first two and a half years was really hard I 
I, I even had to take a break. Um, I dropped a semester once and came to Dhaka for a few months just because I was like, oh my God, this is... Um, everyone was like pressurizing, oh, it's your second undergrad, just finish it in three years and wrap it up and make it small. And and I just couldn't do, like, it was so, there's so much information, yeah. you know, there's theory classes, there's practical classes, there's music education, music business, you know, exactly. everything is just, and if you're just doing semester after semester, mm. uh, after five semesters in a row, I was like, okay, my brain needs to process. Yeah. And that it was an indication for the rest of my life of how I am as a creative person mm. that I work really hard and then I have to take long breaks. I right. have to take a lot of downtime. I yeah. need to decompress. And um, But yeah, it was hard. So you, I think one thing that we always think of, of music is, you know, you just making it in the world of music is becoming this this famous or glamorous person and and you're that one creator one artist that everybody loves but as you were saying that when you want to be a composer or part of an ensemble like you have to learn certain things which you just can't anywhere else so i think that understanding of what being a musician means at least in the mainstream is still misunderstood because you know someone who's part of an ensemble would still need to study a lot of the, the things to be able to communicate with the composer, with the with, with all the stuff. But I, I raised that because you've got this other act called Ghasforing Choir, right? And you are the director there. So now you're not only creating, but also leading this, you know, ensemble of, of, of talented singers. So how does that then come to play for you when you're basically leading someone musically or leading this this team musically in, in languages that may or may not be able to understand the same level, right? Because maybe someone can sing, but again, understanding, being part of a team, like, like how different or dynamic is that for you in terms of leading versus just creating? So there is a big, um, uh, something that I have to address is that obviously working with people for the four years that I was at Berkeley is we're all being trained. You know, we're all trained in the same way. We understand each other very, you know, we don't have to say much. Yeah. Um, but when I moved to Bangladesh, I, I moved to Bangladesh a couple of months after I graduated. So, and I think um, first December I moved to Dhaka. I went to Nepal and I think sec, I think, 10th January is when I formed Kashmir Choir. So within a month, I was like, one month is enough and then back on it. I have to admit that it, uh, the fact that I wasn't in Berkeley was very, very stark. Uh, of course, I mean, it's not a southern city. It's not me and 500 musicians every day. But the fact that I had to really accept that, all right, I've come back to the place where music is not everyone's day job. Right. It's their, like, if I had stayed and, and gotten a job here, what would have, yeah. what would have happened to me? Like yeah. I do a work during the day and then on weekends I have some mm -hmm. kind of band. And so I had to really adjust to that. I had to, um, th there are certain things that I wanted to achieve within the first year and the second year. And I had to make that into the four year plan now, the five year plan, because, um, I, I couldn't get everybody on the weekdays and et cetera, et cetera. So that's the main thing that as, um, as a 
creative person from there to here, I had to really adjust my timelines, mm. my expectations. And um, as a leader, I think um, as the leader, as the, as the music director of a, a group where people are not full-time musicians, most of the work will be given to me because I am the full-time musician. So I'll have the rest of the week to do all the admin work, you know, uh, get the funding and manage the finances, book the studios for albums, concerts, rehearsals. So I think it made me realize that um, there's a lot more that comes with being a professional musician as opposed to being inside a music college and, and right. doing things with yours. It's, it's, there's just a lot yeah. more work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, uh, it's really hard. I mean, I have to like, you know, when you're in university and anyone who's in university now, mm. you know, you're just, you're in this flow that's been set for you. Yeah. So you have to do this, have to do that. Um, but when you're a creative person in a professional field, you are creating your timelines, you're creating your goals. So I find that really difficult. Yeah, I think I it's really true for most, most all creatives in some ways because you don't think about the admin and emails and all that kind of stuff. You think, oh, I just want to be able to create and that's it, right? Yeah. So I, I totally, I can totally empathize. But in terms of your university's education in, in, in Berkeley College of Music, music. how much of it do you think do you apply in while, when you're being a professional musician right now? Do you think someone who might be in a similar path needs to get those degrees or understand in, in some capacity of the, the literature and the language of music before jumping in? Or do you think this is something that's very individualistic? You know, I think everybody goes through the same journey, whether you go to Berkeley or you're studying on YouTube or you are. So there's a bunch of things that you have to learn. Like, it doesn't matter how you learn them. So I have friends who are composers here, way super talented, and they didn't go to Berkeley like me, but they have done, I don't know, like a thousand gigs. um, And they have done, made uh, music for a hundred telefilms. And now... And that was their education, you know, that was, that was their courses. One of them was their sound engineering course. Mm-hmm. One of them was their, um, chordal learning, they picking up hundred songs for a gig. You learned all these chords. That's when they learned the theory. So everybody has their different path, but we all end up in the same place. Right. There, there's no avoiding it yeah. Yeah. basically. Like you have to, if you don't know your notes, how are you going to use them? Sure. So, um, I don't, I don't recommend uh, university to everybody because people, there are a lot of musicians who are more like me. And I think when I was at Berkeley, I thought I was the most rock and roll person there. Like, oh, I woke up late and I never took morning classes and, and everyone else was like, you know, yoga in the morning, practicing for two hours, then came to class. And, and I was like, just, you know, I never had time to do my makeup and everybody looked like beautiful clothes and expressing themselves. And I was just there. I was, I was like a university, like a normal university student. Um, but, but then when I came, when I came into the professional world, especially in Dhaka, now I feel like, okay, I'm the more jazz, you know, nerd here who like is timely. I make sure I eat right and sleep right before my gigs. And so there are different 
kinds of musicians. Um, I think most musicians who work in um, composition, film scoring, um, also managing big projects, they have to be very organizational. Like, I think it's just something that you kind of, even if you're not, you kind of have to do it if you want to manage a bigger project. Um, and then there's a lot of people who are not, who mm. are more free flow. So I would recommend if you feel like you will benefit from the structure of a university, go for it, or right. an institution or a diploma, go for it. But if you feel like you are, you want more like a free flowing, um, on the job experience, just yeah. do the music. The music itself will be your teacher. It'll be your university. And it, you know, there is so much that I've learned after I've left Berkeley and in the actual field of working in music, it's like, oh, okay, now this is a way to do it that I would, have, I learned the opposite yeah. way at Berkeley, but this is better. So, cause I'm doing it on the job. Right. So it's really, I mean, but I, re I recommend, I'm, I'm one of those people who likes being in class. Yeah. I love, I would love being a student. Yeah. So yeah. for me, this worked. I mean, you introduced yourself as a student to start with. So <laughs> <laughs> um, look, um, you know, I think one of my favorite songs of yours is, uh, Jokhon Chola Jao. I think it, uh, maybe oh, mid 2015, 2016, I think when you released it. Um, what I love most about it is, you know, it's quite unique in the sense that you don't really get to hear such jazzy renditions of, of Bangla songs, right? You usually get, okay, someone who from, from Bangladesh, if they're making a jazz album, it's usually English, or if they're making a indie pop album, it's usually in English, right? So to have such Western influences in, in a Bangla songs is quite, quite rare to start with. But I say that because you have made that number thinking, you know, obviously the way of self-expression, um, do you think about the audience as much when you're creating in terms of the, who's going to listen to my work or is it primarily that I want to express myself and whoever picks it up? Because, you know, if you maybe thought of audience, you probably wouldn't have made Jokhon Chola Jao as, as the way you did because it's not quote unquote popular in the, in the mainstream. Right. So, so how does your mentality work when you're, when you're creating stuff, uh, or when you used to create stuff? You know, I have to say that this is something that a lot of my peers tell me, oh, you should think about the audience. You should think about, you know, um, what's trendy. And sometimes they're like, just do it. Like, acta gan koro, acta gan koro. But, you know, for me, it's more like, I feel like my audience senses when I am enjoying myself. Mm -hmm. And even though it'll be a smaller group, yeah. It's fine by me um, because I really, I have chosen this career despite all the odds. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be making music and then I'm making something that I don't even enjoy, then what's the point? I might as well have been an economist, you know? Um, I, so when I'm making music, I have to enjoy it. And right. I don't think about other people first. I think about my enjoyment first right. and it's great um, when people do connect to it. I have a couple of songs that, a lot of people connected to it. I have a couple of songs that few people connected right. to it, but like, I love them equally. I, I was not thinking about, um, hit making hits and I never have. And I hope I never do like, this is really like, honestly, I, my plea to myself, if you want hits or fame or fortune, like there are ways to do mm. it. Um, but I hope that I don't take those easy ways. Like I hope I do it the hard way. Like, yeah. you know, really, 
doing something that I love and then that blows up and I become super successful. So, so if it clicks, it clicks, if it doesn't, it's, it's fine because you're enjoying yourself. That's the way, way you look at it. But do you ever... I mean, yeah. when it doesn't click, you feel sad because you poured yourself into it, right? Like, of course, I have a couple of songs where I was like, oh my God, this is like the best song I've ever made. And people were like... Mm. That's one of it's all right, okay. you know. And then I was like, oh, I'm sad. But you know, I I I honestly think that um, nobody has heard my best work yet. It's hasn't been released. I think on um, din Paul, the song that I released in 2018, uh, in 2018, um, it's the only song that I've um, made a music video in the last few years. Is I think that was like a really special song. Um, other than that, I think I don't like any of my songs. Oh. <laughs> but but that goes against what you just told me because it feels like you told me that you don't make hit songs because you want to enjoy yourself. So I, I really loved making them, and then I'm like, I grew up from them. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's it's um it's it's quite you know it's it's I think it's the, it's the conflicting mind of an artist isn't it like we want to make stuff that we want people to connect with but then when mm. we think of a hit which basically means you connect to as many people as possible i think that's when we kind of feel turned off because it's like oh why do i have to compromise what i'm doing do you feel it's almost like this rebellious nature we have like sometimes we do it yeah. irrationally even if we don't need to yeah. yeah i think so i have that for sure because um because it's firstly like any human being i also am very aware of the fact that a lot of the people i grew up with are like super famous now mm. you know i was abroad for 10 years but uh, 10 years later everybody else was doing the music yeah. and they were like really famous by by the time i got back mm. so there is a there's always this comparison and then the, my other friends they're you know successful mm. investment bankers and yeah. business entrepreneurs so there's always this like pressure like w of being successful and i struggle with that like deeply deeply struggle with that that i have to remind myself on a daily basis that your success is it's not its quality not quantity like mm. i have a few fans i know there's like, I was supposed to release, uh, I was supposed to drop an album day before yesterday and I didn't. And I wrote on my Instagram, like, I know no one's going to read this. It doesn't matter. But I know there's like three people who really were waiting for that album. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really sorry. It's going to take me a couple more weeks. And, um, and those three people actually reply. I, it's random three, I said, yeah. but three, I got three replies right. and they were like, we'll wait for you. Take your time. Excited to listen to it. Yeah. And I, you know, that, that to me is my success, that there is a person who eagerly waits for my music the way that I wait for Gogo -Go Penguin or Phasia yeah. or one, whatever bands that I love. And I think that's, I, I have to remind myself that that is also success. Right. Um, it's not, always the fact that I have 3 million followers. I don't have, I, I don't even have a hundred thousand yet, but it's just, it's, that's okay. Like the numbers are numbers. It's my connection. My success has to be that the song that I created, um, connected with someone. And sometimes that's three and sometimes that's 300. 
that's the artist gamble anyway, right? So yeah, but I think for me personally, sometimes I I totally get what you're what you're coming from, and I'm I'm not a you know, professional musician, but I do create stuff in in other capacities and. I also go through the same thing. Like, like, who is it for? Is it for if it's for myself? Then I shouldn't really care if it's hitting the numbers or not. But I think the world we live in, I think there's we live in that you know cross section of for someone else and for myself. And I think if we can mm-hmm. build that middle section as wide as possible, I think that's would be my personal kind of you know daily way to say that okay, this is what success would look like. Because sometimes I feel I hide behind that similar curtain that oh just because someone isn't listening that's fine but deep down I'm more probably <laughs> like I wish more people watched what I made or you know connected to what I yeah. made so I think it's a way of kind of self like making myself understand in some ways that oh, it's okay but a part of me is also like you know what it's it's not okay you should get up there and do stuff so I think this this struggle is, is quite universal for for any creator especially in this world right and and you know what in all other fields there's a natural progression right like oh no in other jobs and stuff like you you're in this position then you're in that position then you but for people like us who are creating it's like musician you put your hand it's like it's you a, put your yeah. thing there's there's no going up or down from this yeah. i'm already at i'm this is what i do there's even if i am super successful or not successful I will still sing and create music. Yeah. It's like what I do won't change. So I think there's a lot of pressure for us to achieve or hit certain things at a younger age, mm. whereas other careers would be. So in Indian classical music, they don't perform until they're like 45, wow. you know, like the, you have to learn for like 20 years yeah. and, or, you know, you'll see on the, all those people on stage in Indian classical music are like 60 to mm. 90 years old, right? Like, so, so you start kind of your, your career peak is like 55, mm. 60, you know? And for us, they've, we flipped that idea of, because, you know, honestly, like, I believe it. Firstly, our voices are at our peak after our forties, mm. like till our forties, wow. we're still developing our voices. So that age is when we we build stamina mm. people you know they work on their physical and their their technical skills um but the kind of music the pop music that we are making whether it's rock or india whatever it's still pop music um that has made the our timelines like with you know 20 year old pop stars yeah. and so that's like a lot of pressure on the rest of us that if someone if, if britney spears is like a billionaire by the time she's 21 then we should at least have some level of success by 30 but that's unfair because art does not is not supposed to see age um we're supposed to get better and better and there should be a peak. every artist should have a certain peak or certain phases all the best artists the quality artists whether all forms of art in the world whether it's bob dylan or if we do a poll, most of their most of the really good, valuable stuff that have lasted centuries were created by people who are older mm. because they have emotional experience, they have technical experience, 
to pour the the world's message into their art but it like a 20 when i made my album when i was 19 years old i didn't know anything mm. like that's a cute documentation of a young girl's music mm. but that is not what should be my defining career moment right. you know so i think i it's 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 a tough battle that we have put on ourselves that like people under 30 under 40 have to be um artistically successful and, whereas and, some of us might not have hit our peaks yet yeah no, for sure and i think also the the idea of of digitizing art right i think the unique very unique generation where we've lived that analog life and now we're kind of seeing the transition into and i think it's transitioned fully like into the world of of digital where art lives in this digital world you've got social media that's constantly reminding you of numbers that you've done on your art and, and your creative work right and, and and how much of that has impacted you as an artist like do you think about oh i need to be on tiktok i need to post five stories or do you not think about that at all and be like you know what i just want to create and be okay with, with with what is like do you struggle with that at all i've always really liked social media so i've used it since you know since i was uh, since i was like 15 or 16 we had high yeah, five and myspace yeah. so i've always been a social media person i always write like i was telling you earlier like i have different personas on each social media <laughs> so i have like some on my facebook page like my personal page i like write stuff about everything that i find wrong with the world then i have a separate instagram for picture, for my photography etc and then you have the linkedin army who's just wearing a suit No, no, no. <laughs> no, the LinkedIn Iron is not right. The LinkedIn Iron is still okay, in motion, but I think uh, but you know, like there's just, you know, on Twitter I'm like I know nobody goes to Twitter from Bangladesh. So I can just write whatever I want. That's what you want just to my, follow me on Twitter, I guess. Please follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm most honest about wow. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know Miss like backlash. Something Like sometimes I I would like to say something on Facebook and I'm like I mean just don't do that. Like you're you're a public person. Yeah. It's probably best you don't write um certain things and then I just go and write it on Twitter just to release it. <laughs> Nobody will read it. Perfect. Fair enough. But um yeah, so I think I do social media very naturally. Right. Like I when I enjoy it I do it. But then there came this trend where like you have to constantly post pictures of yourself, stories and blah blah blah. And I was like there's no way unless i'm going to be an influencer and i'm making money yeah. from this i'm not going to let this device use mm-hmm. me i go off social media whenever i want i there's been like 2 years i wasn't on twitter there's been like instagram i just opened my official account like 2 years cool. ago because i was like ah i have a facebook people can find mm-hmm. me there i have a website people can find me there but it's it's not so i will i very much refuse to like have to be or you have to do whatever what is it this and that you have to post this and that for engagement yeah. i'm like what the this and that yeah. like so i do polls all the time do you think i should release my bangla song next or my english song like that's that's because you i genuinely care know, about yeah. it you know? yeah 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 so i i don't um it annoys me when people use social media ingenuinely because i for me it's a very genuine place of connection it's been a part of my childhood it's how i've connected with my friends from nottingham from berkeley right. it's really how i i write my most private po- 
thoughts and poems and i poured when i was going through heartbreak i poured myself yeah. on this on these platforms i shared my life and and everything my heart mm-hmm. and then it's like oh you know everyone when you see your feed with like some some of the fake stuff that happens it's just like oh my god can i i want to know you but not yeah, like this yeah. this is this is not knowing you this is really even the people that i follow like as celebrities like jade who i follow i only follow people who are genuine on their social medias because it's 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 boring i don't have time yeah. for the fake yeah, stuff yeah no that makes sense uh, you mentioned earlier on that how the glamour of being a, an artist is just fading away in your mind because when you're younger you thought you know like that the whole rockstar <laughs> idea that the glamorous thing versus the reality today has has really shifted for you today why do you think that's the case and and how you're tackling that in terms of be, being a creator today a creative person today <sighs> um this is a tough one because actually last year i so i didn't i had a 6 month period where i didn't get any work and that was really tough on me um prior to the pandemic i was i felt like i was in a really good role i was gigging i was composing my choir was just finished an album mm-hmm. i'd gone abroad for a bunch of shows so then the pandemic hit and i thought okay we'll wait you know we'll wait for things to open mm-hmm. up and when things did open up it didn't open up for me right. personally right and um i think the the top tier musicians got work first and then the wedding singers and stuff got work for weddings mm-hmm. um and then like i still consider myself quite indie the indie group who do it professionally i'm an indie musician who does works in the yeah. pop world i was one of the last to kind of get called to open so i really had a, a tough time in 2021 and i was this close to thinking of doing something else like just i was like i'm going to give myself one more year <laughs> and if 2022 doesn't work out let's pack bags and immigrate somewhere and just you know to have a normal life um thankfully in in uh, about november i got called in to do uh, some work for um this company they're doing music i will release it soon so i can't Not mention fun. yet but uh and then in december january i got to work in the production of coke studio and slowly like things opened up a little more this year is it's so so steady but it's really the pandemic really shone light on what i knew for a while mm. is that if you're going to work in a small country like bangladesh and the music industry that doesn't have any infrastructure is still very random yeah. it's like you make it you you create your you create your own life right there's it's really hard to find the building blocks to the next step of your life and it it's overwhelmingly hard sometimes especially if you want to have a steady life you know you want to have a nice house and if you, you want to go out for dinner you want to go on a vacation mm. once a year like that kind of income financially is just so unpredictable to have and so um i was like either i have to make some kind of weird pop music that i've never liked my li- in my whole life or i have to do something else and <sighs> knock wood you know i was like 
let's just stick to it one more year. <laughs> that that year has been great. Right. But I have to admit, like, it is not that glamorous life. You know, only 1.02% actually get that fame and yeah. fortune. The rest of us, we work. We work really hard on a job that pays less um, and is unstable and predictable. And it's beautiful. I wouldn't do anything else, but it's hard. And then I didn't realize how hard it was until I was... A- it, it seems like you've, you've, the words you've mentioned is struggle, it's, it's difficult, it's hard, it's, it's, it, it can break you to the point where you don't want to do it anymore. Um, why continue? I don't know why I'm continuing, honestly. You know, when I, um, I had this, I had this moment, I wrote on my Facebook, like, does it even matter? I've been planning to release this, uh, this album that I, I've been talking about for a yeah. few years now. It's a live album. I recorded in Sydney, actually. Oh, wow. It's, it's called Live in Sydney. Um, in this beautiful Django bar in Sydney, we, I performed in 2015, December 13th. And, um, I did, you know, I recorded it live and I've been planning to release it. And then I thought, no, I don't want to release a live album. Then I thought, yes. So I've had this, like, I've been telling people about it. I might release it, might not. And one day I realized I had given myself a deadline and I didn't do it. My deadline was 31st December, 2021. And I think sometime in January, I just wrote on Facebook, like, does anybody even care if I if I never make another song ever again? Like, will it really matter to anyone? Like, I feel like it doesn't. And then um, I did get a few people who, you know, a, a lot of people, my friends, of course, on my Facebook were like, oh, she's going through something. Let's write something nice. But I did get actually some genuine messages who are like, no, we will listen to it. We are waiting for you, you know. Um and I just felt like, I don't know, even though I don't write the music for mm-hmm. my audience, I do live yeah. for them. And I feel like I just, even if it was just a few people who genuinely will listen to this album, I don't, I, I don't want to disappoint them anymore. Once I've started this journey as a musician, I didn't start thinking about audience yeah. at all, but I've made an yeah. audience. I've been doing this for 10 years now. And this audience is means a lot to me, and I feel like I got to. Yeah, I think uh, this is something I've I've been again drawing parallels to my my line of work. I think once we put something out to the world, I think we have responsibility and we have uh, a commitment to the people who have decided to donate their time, their energy to consume what we created. Right, I think that that relationship i think it's almost like being in a relationship right like how do you stay committed in a relationship how do you stay you you know you you have to say good things to your partner every once in a while you have to buy them dinner once in a while you have to go out on walks right and i think it's the same thing with an audience is like how do you develop that and, and make sure that they get what they were in for when they decided to commit to that relationship right so i think as artists we often kind of forget that Oh, you know, I'll just create for myself, and which is great. I think that's the starting point. But as soon as we put something out, I think that self thing reduces a little bit, and audience or whoever is it for, I think, grows a little bit more, right? And I think um, it also becomes difficult because sometimes you, we think of audience demands, right? Oh, 
I don't like what you put out, right? Or I don't like what what this sounds like. And, and it's, it's so difficult for creators because you think that I, I put my soul into this, you wanted, wanted it and now you don't want it, right? So I think it's, it's very, that's the way I look at it, right? I think, I think, and I think that's the struggle that we, we have as, as creators on a day-to-day basis because if, if it's not for me, it's for someone else. And if it's not for someone else, then, then who, who is it for really, right? Um, when you ask that question that if I didn't put out something, would it really matter? The, I think it's, there's two two answers. I think one, yes, it, it won't matter. So no, it won't matter. And yes, it will matter. I think the idea is that when we push something out, it's in this world we live in, it's, it's all attention, right? If I didn't post this podcast today, there's another podcast that people listen to it, right? Um, there's 5 million things that's released every single day that captures people's attention. I think there's this window of, of period where they'll wait for it. But I think at one point that ship will sail uh, and their minds are going to consume by something else. So again, I think it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you, you want to connect, but then if you don't post, they'll forget. Um, but there's a few who will think about you 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, because you are part of their life at a difficult time. Your music helps them get through a heartbreak or get through an emotional you know, turmoil. And, and you are responsible for that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a very difficult uh, relationship uh, that, that you have to maintain, I guess. Yeah. I, I honestly, I love, I love that relationship more than anything. And I think one of the reasons why I went through such a tough time in the pandemic is that I was very, I did a average one gig a week and then I didn't see my audience for a couple of years. Even now it's not that frequent every once in a while we have a gig, but um, it's, it's been like, uh, it's when one-sided, like I'm talking, I'm, I'm, I'm writing on Facebook or, or Insta- posting on Instagram but I'm not really getting the sound back as much as I would in, in person, you know, the, the applause is, is their communication Mm -hmm. with me. Right. So it's been, um, it's not just, sometimes I feel like for, especially someone who's a small artist like me with a small, in a small community, it's not just me. Sometimes my fans are also responsible for, um, how I feel and how I behave as well. Um, when I get on social media or on my website, if I get certain sort of response, I get so Mm -hmm. happy and excited and inspired. And when I, when I don't for a while, that also bums me out. So you're right. It is a, it is a relationship. Yeah. It's it's a tough one to say the least. Look, I know we've talked for, for quite a while, so I'll, I'll, (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll have a few few other questions uh, before before we head out. But you know, what is sure. quality to you when it comes to creative work? How do you define quality when you listen to something when you look at something? Oh, this is great! Like, what what's quality to you? That's a good question. Um, I guess I'll, re- I'll respond in terms of music because that's how I can describe it technically for me, it's not necessarily, um, I, I have to say, of course, being 
the first thing is of course being genuine you know the emotions the lyrics um not just oh give me a tune place a lyrics on it and make a funky beat that's not enough sometimes like it really has to move me either emotionally or physically or um i listen to a lot of jazz which doesn't have a lot of vocal music so not a lot of lyrics but i feel so connected to it so i think what i experience as as a creator like what i in, when i enjoy the music my audience enjoys it i feel the same way when i listen or see a piece of yeah. art that i can see the enjoyment there um and that's quality for me but also there are some technical aspects especially in music that i really appreciate um mixing mastering yeah. production quality mm-hmm. um for sure makes a big difference i hear even sometimes in a bollywood song i will just i'll hear something and i'm like that is outrageous it would have taken them 5 yeah. minutes to fix that like why wouldn't they fix that you know um some you know like this habit of copy pasting everything like it's yeah. fine it works for a lot of music but sometimes like you can just sing the chorus a second time and make a, a different second mm-hmm. version instead of copy pasting the chorus every time so just things like that i really appreciate when what attention yeah. to detail i think is something that i appreciate and, and that is where the quality lies right. i think sometimes again as creators we create something for other creators to find as well i think when you find <laughs> yes. you, as a musician when you find stuff that's you think that's oh that's only another musician can understand i think that's a great feeling right sometimes you hear the sub bass of a song is like oh that's that's how did you think like sometimes when listen to like um Billie Eilish, right? Phineas is, is is the brother who produces it, and the amount of sub yes. bass he does on productions, like when you put headphones on, it's like I didn't hear it anywhere else. Where's where's that even coming from? So I think that's <laughs> that's really cool when you can pick up those little details. But for you personally, do you have any habits or rituals that you do to make sure that your creativity is is ongoing, or, or do you you practice anything that that helps you with it? Hmm. You know. uh in my school it was taught to us that creativity is a muscle 100%. and so like anything else you have to like muscles need to be worked yeah. out so you need to keep on working it all the time um having said that i i think i take long too long breaks <laughs> i'm 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 prone to i'm prone to switching off mm-hmm. and just i think the the marinating part of creativity is longer yeah. for me i take the actual creating you know bits are shorter but um ritualistically you know what i is really important to me is um being healthy so uh physical and mental health that's i think so that's important. what I think that's what yeah. I work on. I work on um I have depression and anxiety and I've you know really worked on keeping it yeah. at bay in a really high adrenaline job mm-hmm. I have. So sometimes I sometimes when we're on one of those like big productions and 12 days we're like on, on every yeah. day and I can feel it. I can feel it. Okay, so I'm going to burst soon so I better get a nap in, you know, I better do. So being very taking care of yeah. myself is something that has really helped me as a musician and and being in this music industry. Just I know my limits. Yeah. I know sometimes I cross my limits and that's yeah. fine. I just like sharat kachkulam. 
I'll just you know and then party yeah. all night as well because I you know I'm so yeah. on like I just I don't want to sleep right. now but then like three days I will just take off and be like you know go back to the gym and and do my yoga and things yeah. like that so I think taking care of myself that's great advice um anything you're looking forward to in terms of releasing building creating that we can we can look towards yeah I'm super excited um and God knows how long it's going to take me to finish this, but um, I am working on my poetry book and I'm working on my next album. So I'm excited for them both. Like when I think of them finished in my head, it's like, oh my God, it's so cool. But none of them have happened yeah. yet. I'm releasing that live album in the next month and then I'm going to start work on uh, the poetry book and the my i haven't made a studio album since i left Berkeley, so it's been about seven right. years yeah, i think that the visualization yeah. of pressing publish or just pressing launch on any creative project is i think one of the best top five feelings in the world right i think when something's done and it's out there <laughs> i don't know I, I i love it too so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, sure, sure. any words for aspiring creators who wants to walk the path of being a professional musician. So three actionable steps or one big actionable step, actionable step that you can think of that will help another creator listening in. Okay, first and foremost, have, uh, you know, make time for practice. Uh, your, your skills, before you throw yourself into the world, um, before you're, you're jumping into the, the race, have your, and this is actually something that I uh, took, picked up from the John Mayer workshop, is it's not about being at the right place at the right time. It's being at the right place with the right mm -hmm. skills. So if you have practiced for five years, if you have worked on your own projects, you've had the experience, then when the right opportunity comes, you can actually grasp it and really do well. Um, but if you're just networking all the time and too busy for the actual skill making, then you're not going to rise to the occasion. So your skills are the number one thing, you're, you're, whether it's singing, guitar playing, composing, whatever. That's the most important thing. Uh, number two for aspiring musicians, I will say, listen. Spend as much time listening to other people as much as you do um, creating because that's how you're yeah. going to evolve and that's how you're going to you know learn that's pretty much how you're going to learn um it can be through classes it can be through just music or just listening to albums but like listen to other people listen to their advice um listen to music music will yeah. just teach you everything on its own anyway and the third i already mentioned is take care of yourself um for especially for musicians our body is our yeah. instrument you know, if whether if, whether you play an instrument or whether you sing, you're using mm -hmm. your fingers, you're using your toes, you're you're using your whole body. I think having a good, um, healthy lifestyle is just gonna take you further. If you you just your your instrument will be you know cleaned yeah. and and tuned and ready to go if your body is fit. So um, it doesn't mean you know everybody is the same. But it, it means whatever works for you. Well, so. thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been fantastic. It was very, very insightful. <laughs> I love the perspective you bring to the Thanks table. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully we can do this, you know, face to face one day because this just doesn't feel right. Sure. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I was looking forward to doing it face to face, but I now I found out since you're not here. But um, yes, we'd love to meet you when you're in town again. Right, Thanks, Arun, and uh, hopefully you'll catch soon. Cool. I'll leave it here. Don't leave just here. I'll just. Oh.